We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 37. Our guest today is ranked 73rd for FEI Dressage, and she rides for Canada. She has ambitions to compete in the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo, and she is already well on her way. She competed in the 2018 World Equestrian Games at Tryon, and she was the first rider to compete at the FEI Pony level in Nova Scotia. She is known for competing on her horse All In, which she claims is the horse who brought her to her international fame. She also just had a baby last June. She can do it all. So here to talk about her life and how she got to where she is today, let's hear it from Brittany Frazier. So let's get right to it. Would love to kind of hear about your introduction to dressage, kind of how you got to where you are today, how you started, all that good stuff. Okay, um, I started riding at a young age, around four or five. Uh, My dad's wife um, was into horses and into dressage. My dad kind of rode Western for fun just a little bit. You know, I did kind of everything. I jumped. I went galloping in the field. I just always wanted to be in the barn. Mm -hmm. Um, When I got a little bit older, I started taking it a little bit more seriously, and I started traveling to Ottawa because that's where my um, coach was at the time. So two weekends out of the month, I traveled to Ottawa to ride. Um, I ended up getting a junior horse, and I was on the junior team and also the young rider team. So once I kind of got a little bit of a taste of, you know, riding for Canada and, you know, traveling as a team and doing all that fun stuff, it um, I really realized that I wanted to do this as a career. My coach at the time was Ruth Kosh and um, Albrecht Heidemann. I trained with them for a long time, right up until I was probably 21 or 22. Um, And then I decided to um, train with Ashley Holzer. She's a four-time Olympian. She's located in New York City. So I packed up and and moved there for a little while. Mm. Um, At that time, I had a... A seven-year-old horse. He was around uh, fourth level. He's the horse I'm riding now. His name's All In. And she helped me take him up the levels to kind of where I am today, trying out for uh, Tokyo. (laughs) Amazing. Oh, that's so exciting. So it's been a really um, fun and an amazing journey. You know, everybody kind of sees the success in the sport and, you know, where you are today. But, you know, there's a lot of ups and downs, which a lot of professionals will tell you about totally you know there's you know horses they break your heart one day and then you're on the top of the world the next Mm -hmm. exactly I think the ability to be flexible and kind of roll with those punches is make or break because if you (laughs) could get too discouraged over the bad days oh my gosh you have to remember that these are still like animals with their own mind and (laughs) their own way totally And, you know, you go down the center line at the end of the day and, you know, you can feel as prepared as you possibly can. And, you know, some days is up to them if they want to 
help you with that or not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Wow. That's so cool. So let's talk a little bit about Tokyo. Cause it's, oh my gosh, like right around the corner. Have you started, what is that process like for preparing or trying out? What does that all look like? So, um, Canada is lucky, um, this year cause we get to send a team. So it's now a team of three plus a reserve, not a team of four. So for Canada, we have to, uh, qualifications started January last weekend was the first show of the season. Uh, it was a qualifier. So we have to have four Grand Prix scores, three Grand Prix special scores and a freestyle. And all the scores are averaged together. You can drop one score, and it's your average at the end that counts. Okay. My strategy is just going to, I'm going to show, I showed uh, last weekend. I'm going to show next weekend. And, um, you know, I've kind of been out of the ring a little bit because I just had a baby. Wow. And this is my second show back. And I had a couple rusty moments, but <laughs> I had a lot of brilliant moments as well. So I'm really actually pretty excited about that. Um, You know, Alin and I have been the top of the FER world ranking list for about two and a half years now. Um, So it's pretty an exciting year for us. You know, anything can happen. Like we said, horses are horses, but I keep going at the rate that I'm going. I think I have pretty good chance as long as everything works in my favor with the horse's health and everything else. Amazing. When did you have your baby? I had my baby in June. Wow. Um, I competed um, up until I was five and a half months pregnant. Wow. Um, I won the five-star pregnant, so that was pretty um, amazing (laughs) last year in Florida. So cool. How was that? Because I know that there is a lot of mixed feelings about, yes. okay, at what point should I stop riding or should I ride at all? Or, you know, what, depending on what I rode before I was pregnant, what, what, what did you do for that? Well, you know, I thought a lot of people are pretty supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say I, I had a couple negative things that happened, but I, I had a lot of support. Um, the horse that I rode and competed, I've, it was all in. So I've had him since he was five years old. I decided that I wouldn't ride any horses I did not know. Mm -hmm. Um, and any young horses I stopped riding. Okay. So I really focused on just mainly teaching and riding the main horse that I know a hundred percent. I know you cannot trust a horse a hundred percent, but I've owned him since he was five and I had yeah. a very, very secure feeling under my seat. Um, he's not a dangerous horse. So I, um, you know, people for me in this sport, it's so critical anyways, right. that if you kind of let everybody's ideas get to your head, I think it would drive you crazy. Totally. So I just, my coach and I decided that I would show up until I felt comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I told myself around the six month mark, if I was blessed to be able to ride and compete up until that point. Well, lucky me. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had a very good doctor. She's a, she's a friend of mine. I coach her daughter. So she was, I was having constant checkups and I knew everything was fine. If I had any doubt, I would have stopped and it wouldn't have bothered me. Um, so it really worked out in my favor. I had one show, there was one day it was very hot and I was 
it took me a little, I couldn't really catch my breath. And I thought, mm-hmm. hey, this is maybe a little bit tricky. Mm-hmm. And then the next show, I felt great. Yeah. So I don't know if it was just the, the pressure of where he was sitting that laying that day. I'm I'm not so sure. But on the five star, we did a five star. I felt I I honestly felt like I could have kept riding. Wow. But like I told myself, I made a plan with my coach that I was going to stop, and I did. Okay. So it wasn't to a point where you were like, oh man, it's time to stop. No, you kind of no. made that last show your goal to get to, and then after yeah. that. And, you know, I had people asking me, oh, why don't you go do Nations Cup? You can be on the team. And, you know, at one point I was like, oh, yeah, I could. But mm. at the same time, I'm like, I've been on the last three Nations Cups. Yeah. And I thought, you know, to sit out one more, I just won the five stars, which was a huge accomplishment mm-hmm. for me. I thought, you know what, I'm going to go out on the high note. So, And then I had my baby in June. And three weeks later, I was back in the saddle. Wow. Okay. That is unbelievable. I have not had any children, but I am an aunt to several. And just being around my sisters post-pregnancy, how did you do that? I'm not so sure. I felt great. Like um, Like I said before, I had a very good doctor, and everything went very smoothly for the most part. Um, so that just put me a few steps ahead already. Mm-hmm. And on week two, I said to my husband and my mom, I said, I can get back in the saddle. And they were like, you're absolutely not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so on week three, I got on and started walking and everybody said, don't you dare trot. Don't you dare trot. Uh-huh. I said, all right. So of course, what did I do? I took one couple strides of trot, and my horse has a very big movement. Yeah, and I took a couple strides in trot, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm really not ready for this." <laughs> so I went back to walk, and I went back to canter. I went to canter, had no issues in canter. Totally. And um, on some of my students' horses, that's how I feel like I got myself back in shape. Mm-hmm. My horse is very big. Mm-hmm. with huge gait. So I'm not going to sit here and say it wasn't difficult to get him back into shape and get me in shape. It was. He was, he's very strong and very big. And with me being weak, he t- kind of took a little bit of advantage of me for a little mm-hmm. while. Sure. Yeah. So that was a bit tough, I will say, just to kind of get him back to where I had him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I competed again in that September. Wow. Amazing. Did you in feel September, like... When you, um, while you were taking your leave during your pregnancy, were you like nervous as to how like all in would be continuing to condition or stay fit? Um, obviously I know you have like, you have a team and a trainer and and people that could continue to ride him, but was there, you know, some anxiety as far as uh, keeping him ready to go for a horse show when you were ready? I actually gave him a little bit of time off. Okay. Because he had, um, the last few years, it's been pretty go, go, go with sure. um, qualifying for Pan Ams and then WEG. And mm-hmm. I just felt like it was, and then we showed in Europe, I just felt like it was like one big show after another. Totally. And, you know, I can't sit here and say that it wasn't hard to miss the Pan Am games, but I knew Canada had a strong team going into the Pan Ams. And the most important thing was to get our birth to go to Tokyo. And they mm-hmm. did an amazing job at that. So I, you know, I gave him a couple months off. Ashley, my trainer, rode him. And then my um, 
I, I, I board at my friend's barn and she started them back for me, which was, uh, I was very thankful for that. And, awesome. uh, when she left to go to the Pan Am games, that's when I kind of took over again. And yeah, I was, I was nervous for my first show back. Usually I'm not mm-hmm. a nervous competitor at all. Really. I have nerves that I want to do well, right. but I felt like I finished on such a high note and that everything was going such in the right direction for stop for seven months. You know, you're, you're just not sure right. how, you know, you don't want to start back and have five steps behind, or you don't know how your body is going to condition after. So the first show I was a bit nervous, but I felt like I needed to get that out of the way to prepare myself for January and for the shows here in Wellington. Right. And, um, when I went into the ring just last weekend, I felt like I was totally ready to go. So I was fortunate. I got my nerves out in September. <laughs> yeah, I did. Right. Oh, that's amazing. Um, what is it now that you're back in the saddle competing again, what has it been like training and being on the show circuit while having a baby? Well, it's definitely different. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I used to love sitting by the ring, watching Ashley train everybody, um, my time is limited now to do that. I pick and choose when I can sit and watch or train all of my teammates because we have such an amazing group of people at our barn. Um, I have a lot of students here this year. Um, my mom is newly retired, so she just came last week, which is a huge help. And my husband actually took a little bit of time off. He could take paternity leave, so he didn't. He just took a week off when I had my son. So he is spending six weeks in Florida now, too. Mm. So I have both of them here, and my dad is also here because he is semi-retired. And so I have lots of family supporting me right now. My mother-in-law is going to come down to help me. So if I didn't have help, I it would be probably next to impossible. Yeah. But I'm very fortunate right now that I have as much help as I I can because I can go and teach and ride and not worry about what's happening at home. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom and my husband and Theo, my son, they come to the horse shows and my baby's like a little bit of a traveling baby. <laughs> yeah, right. But I feel like if you if you kind of establish that from the get go, I feel like sometimes those babies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're used to that. And it's like not such a huge change if you have to switch things up. Well, that's it. And, you know, a couple of days, you know, a few days are, can be a little rough if he's completely off schedule. But sure. for the most part, we try to keep him on a schedule as best we, as best we can. But he is very good to kind of just come with us. And if he sleeps mm-hmm. in the stroller, he sleeps in the stroller. And he's a very happy baby. So we're very thankful for that. So <laughs> kind of cool. just goes with the flow. For now, anyways. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any uh, thoughts as to getting Theo in the saddle? I don't think so. <laughs> we, uh, my husband and I, um, I come from a hockey background. My ah. brother and my dad played hockey, and my husband is a huge Habs fan. So we're hoping that he's going to be a hockey player, not a rider. If he wants <laughs> to be a rider, then so be it. But horses are very expensive. Exactly. <laughs> and my husband is a little bit against it. <laughs> 
No, my, my husband has never sat on a horse yet. And, um, <laughs> he's like, he, whenever I have clients or friends say like, Oh, why, why don't you should get another horse? Like you should get a horse. You should get a horse. And Ethan's like, you have enough client horses. You don't need, oh, <laughs> we don't I need know. to be paying for another horse. So. Oh, I know. My I husband understand. says the same thing. <laughs> um, so obviously all in has been a part of your life for a while. Did you always know, okay, this is the horse that I would take to Tokyo. Was there ever any thought of testing out something different or what were your thoughts on that? Um, well, I've had him since he was five. I bought him at an auction. Did I know he was going to be what he is today? No. Um, I thought, you know, when I bought him, I was younger, you know, I, it's not what I know now for sure, but I, um, I am pretty impressed with how he's come up the levels. And, you know, when you buy a young horse, everybody always says, I hope this is going to be my next horse. Sure. You know, it's a long process. You know, I I remember my first ride on him. I I could barely turn. (laughs) Like, I could barely stop and I could barely turn. And he was huge. And I thought to myself, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> and as soon as I started training him and I saw his rideability and his character, you know, he's, he's a hot horse. He is, and he is tricky. No horse is easy. Um, right. but his work ethic is just incredible. Wow. And I think, you know, he's huge. He's a bit long. He but he tries his heart out for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what's really has made him even better. And he, he is so trainable. Mm-hmm. So um, I was excited to see how he just, you know, cause at one point you're doing pre St. George and you're thinking, okay, now you got to make the step to Grand Prix and you start mm-hmm. to make the step and it's, whoa, you feel like you're never going to get there. Right. And, you know, you start to train the ones and then you lose everything else. And at one point, you know, my first Grand Prix, I think I started off with 64%. And I probably stayed there for like a, like six months. And I yeah. thought to myself, is this ever going to get better? Uh huh. Um, wow. And I'm sure a lot of people have that question in the back of their head, you know, but if you just kind of stick with it and, and you're in a good training program and I have, in my opinion, one of the best coaches in the world. So I'm very fortunate for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has totally helped me um, get all into where he is today. I've never trained a horse to Grand Prix. It was my first one. Okay. Um, so without her, it would have been a little tricky. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, wow. um, yeah, he is, he's special. That's for sure. And that's a perfect name for him, like based on his personality. It is. <laughs> It is. They named him at the auction, and uh, wow. he uh, he's like a family member. <laughs> totally. What does his show prep look like? The week of the show, usually he gets Sunday off always. Um, usually a Monday, uh, a lunch, and have really um, a good stretch day. Tuesday, we work him. Um, Wednesday is usually the jog. So we train at the horse show then, um, just going through the movements of the sh- movements of the test, feeling like I have control. Cause like I said, you can get a bit fresh and a bit strong. So control mm-hmm. is like a huge thing for me that I have to be really, um, like obedient about. And then we usually show, uh, 
uh, Thursday, Friday, he gets like magnetic blanket. He gets massages. He gets lasered. Very spoiled, mm-hmm. but he deserves it. Yeah, <laughs> he does. Uh, he works very, very hard for me. Um, so all of that stuff, I can I continue at home and at the show. Um, all the same people usually work on my horse, uh, farrier vet, um, massage year round. So mm-hmm. I don't have new people, um, coming in. It's usually the same, the same people. Nice. And so I'm also fortunate for that too, you know, that the Canadian, um, people come here and vice versa. Americans come to Canada to help. So that totally, that really works for my program. He goes in turnout every single day for three hours in a huge paddock. He loves turnout. He would stay out all day <laughs> if, um, <laughs> if he could. So that's usually the schedule that I do with him anyways. And then after the show, he gets a couple of days off. And usually the week after he gets a little bit of a lighter week, you know, he's mm-hmm. 15 this year. He knows his job. Totally. So I just have to keep him sound and, yeah. and fresh a bit, you know, not that, you know, with Florida weather, it's hot. Totally. And when we're showing a lot, it's a lot of stress, the heat, like I said, he's a huge horse with huge movement, so he gets a little bit tired faster than the smaller horses. Yep, totally. Yeah, it's so funny. I'm a hunter-jumper trainer, so quite a bit different prep for our hunters. <laughs> We're like, oh, it's hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys uh, you guys do a lot more lunging than we do. <laughs> what kind of bridle do you show all in in? I show in a Toda Comfort bridle. It takes some pressure off the pole of the horse. Okay. The, the nose band really is secure on the nose. It takes pressure away from the jaw. I've been showing in that bridle for a few years now, and I've had great success with it. I do ride all in a lot in snaffle, okay. too. I probably put the double bridle on three times a week, and the rest of the time I ride him in snaffle. And for a big horse, he's beautiful to ride in the snaffle. Awesome. That's yeah. so cool. Um, what are your thoughts on different uh, kind of regulations for competition as far as bridles go? Well, for us, I feel like we have so many rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot more rules than the 100 jumpers, that's for sure. The best is to be, you know, the best thing is to be fair to the horse and what is, you know, the nicest way for the horse to go. But for bridles, for dressage, we don't have that many options mm-hmm. for double bridles. You know, when Charlie Tota came out with this nose band, it was kind of like the new in thing to try because before it was just standard nose band. Sure. So I feel like comparison to you guys in the hunter jumper world, we don't, like I said, we don't have millions of options like mm-hmm. you guys do. Right. And, you know, they made new rules just in the past couple of years about the nose band you have to be able to put two fingers in the mm-hmm. side of the nose band to make sure that it's not like too tight for the horse Cranked. and also that yeah yeah that the horses can breathe easily and that the curve mm. chain is not too tight also that it's not like making a mark or anything on the horse's lip those are all great rules for the horse's welfare for sure sure yeah totally and then how do you prepare yourself mentally and physically before showing I try to do a lot of visualization. I usually go up to the ring, sit by myself, go over my pattern that I have to do in my head Mm -hmm. um, over and over again, and not just going through the test. 
you know, when I can her in, I have to make sure he's straight. I have to make sure he's collected. I have to make sure he's not leaning on the right shoulder. Like I go through each movement on what I have to do to prepare him to be better. Um, I also go back and watch a lot of my previous videos of course, your your biggest critique. <laughs> mm-hmm. So everything totally. I did, you know, a little bit um, where I would like to improve, I watch in my videos and try to, in my test, think about that as best I can. You know, when you're first showing Grand Prix on your first year or two, it's just pretty much like getting through the test. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's not, I, I felt like when I was few years ago there was no like I was trying to prepare for the movements but it was pretty much just like okay now the passage okay now the piano you know, just yeah, like yeah one movement after another now and because I know all in so well now now I can feel like okay I'm coming up to my pirouette I have to make sure I need to check this off the box this off the mm-hmm. box this off the box before I do it and if he's not really ready wait one more stride you yeah. know don't rush into the movement so I try to tell myself all of these things that I should do and you know sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> wow. Um, I like to go, come home and, you know, it's easy in Wellington because we have a, we rent a house here. So it's, I'm able to come home, you know, freshen up from the day. If I taught, you know, 10 people or rode a lot of horses, I can have mm-hmm. a shower, get ready and then go. Then I like to, you know, eat lots of protein before and have a big glass of cold coke and <laughs> and then I go to the barn and I'm usually there a good um um hour to two hours before my class my groom does an amazing job of getting all in looking perfect and having everything organized at the barn so if I didn't have her with all of my students and a baby I'm really not sure <laughs> what I would do <laughs> yeah so um that's that's kind of my routine very cool Awesome. What would you feel like? Because I I feel like um, with the sport of dressage that there's a huge age range in competitors. Where do you feel like the interest is gauged currently in the sport for younger riders? Well, I think sometimes it's a little hard to get the young generation involved because of where our sport is going today financially it's Mm -hmm. very very high Mm -hmm. um I feel right now there's more um I would say that there's not so many kids involved in dressage because I I also feel that the riding schools are not what they used to be Mm -hmm. to kind of start people up the levels and you know the horse that you know when I had as a junior, which was a very nice horse for my for my age and everything else, you can't buy that today for that price. Right. And it's a little bit, I find that sad of where our sport is going because mm-hmm. it's limiting a lot of people that have talent because our sport is costing so much money. Right. The riders here in Wellington, you know, there's a lot of riders here, but I would say they're mostly from 30 and up. Right. You know, there is the few odd kids, Mm -hmm. but I find in the 100 jumper world, there is way more kids involved than in dressage. Way more. Yeah. Um, Which I find a little bit sad because, like, Mm -hmm. when I was doing juniors and young riders and even the ponies, you know, in my barn at the time, I think there was probably, like, 15 of us Mm. that were, you know, 
trying for teams, um, you know, working towards getting on a team. And now mm-hmm. I, it's not so, you know, the kids are dwindling, I find. Right. And I'm not sure if it's just because it's not fun for them as much as it mm. used to be or if it's strictly cost. Right. And I don't yeah. know if you find that in the hunter-jumper world, if the cost has gone up as much as it has in dressage. But. Yeah, it just it seems to be continuing to climb. And it, it seems yeah. like, I feel like, a good chunk of it has to do with the, the horse cost. But yeah. then, I mean, you still also have the, the everyday care and the maintenance and the, um, the amenities and the travel and it just, it adds up it's the significantly. Monthly bills mm-hmm. are, yeah, can add yeah. up to be extreme. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, do you find that having one main show horse, are you kind of like a, a one show horse girl? Would you, I mean, let's say putting money or time or whatever aside, are you still kind of like opt to have that one horse or would you want a string? How, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I would love to have a string. <laughs> right. <laughs> Dumb question for a horse girl. <laughs> I would love to have a string. Um, you know, I've, I've always had a few horses. This is the first time in a while where I've just had one. Okay. The past like six months, I've been looking for another horse. I'm still in the process of trying to find my next horse. Um, it's not easy. And also with just having a baby, my time was a, a little bit limited to actually going to really spending time in Europe to actually find one. So ho- I'm hoping in the next couple months I can get back over to Europe and and to look for some more horses for myself. And, uh, you know, I'm going to have to buy young and train them myself. And, you know, I'm okay with that because the trained ones are uh, really crazy, crazy money. Totally. Um, but I, I don't mind that. I uh, I like building a, a partnership with the horse and uh, starting it from scratch and seeing where it takes me. Right. Yeah. So let's, I mean, you, just like All In, you um, have a new young horse. What does that process look like in starting to help them understand those complex movements? Well, I mean, it's got to be me, just tons yeah, of patience. <laughs> it's tons of patience. It's very repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I'm looking for the next horse, you know, obviously the gates have to be natural. Right. You know, like they have to have three good gates. You know, some people just look at the trot and say, oh, the trot's great. Let's buy it. Mm-hmm. But if the mm-hmm. horse cannot, does not have a good walk, it's not great for our sport because the walk is so costly. Totally. So I look for three good gates, look for balance. And once you have that, then it's just, you know, patience. You kind of pick one movement apart and, and, and work on it. And it's a lot of strength training too. A lot of transitions, um, a lot of, you know, going really forward, making them understand that they can really, you know, open up their gate and close Mm -hmm. their gate at the same time. Um, doing a lot of, um, Cavaletti work is also very important. A lot of hill work, you know, getting them out of the ring, taking them to shows, you know, it's a, it's a real, uh, process. Mm -hmm. Totally. And, you know, just because all in made it to the top, I, you know, my next horse might not, and that's okay. Right. 
I've sold a lot of courses in the past that have gone to great people and they've done great great things with them. They've, you know, had a purpose for me and they've had a purpose for somebody else. And I really enjoy doing that as well. So if a horse isn't going to be for me, I'll sell him. And I'm hoping that he'll, you know, the horse would be great for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think having that kind of open-minded attitude is imperative because if you have these, uh, yeah. kind of like pre notions about what you want and hope for, for this horse, it usually ends up causing a lot of frustration. Oh yeah. And a lot of heartache. You know, if mm-hmm. someone had asked me, like, would you go to, like, when I bought all in, did you think you were going to go to the Olympics? I like, no way, no mm-hmm. way. Yeah. You know, wow. he's brought me to the top of our sport. I'm so thankful for that. But that that might not come again that easily. <laughs> totally. Wow. Well, amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I'm so excited to follow your track on the way to Tokyo. It's so exciting. But uh, yeah, I just I wish you all the best, Brittany. Thank you so much for having me. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.